The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody, welcome in. Snowy edition of the Leach Report for a Monday from our Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington, where my guess, we've maybe got about an inch of powdery snow, but um, a lot of snow on the way for, looks like, basically Lexington north. And then as you move southeast of Lexington, it's going to be more toward ice uh, the farther southeast you go. So everybody... Stay safe. Stay uh, in and keep attuned to the uh, UK sports block that is on your radio station right now. Uh, get you through till noon, and uh, then you can kind of hang in there from that point forward. Um, but anyway, we're glad you're with us today. We've got uh, Ben Roberts to join us from the Lexington Herald-Leader. Uh, you may have seen that Kentucky has uh, made a offer to made an offer to uh, Trevor Keels, uh, one of the country's top shooting guards. We'll talk with Ben about that and more. Uh, Cameron Mills is going to join us. Cameron has a a radio show that airs around the state on Sunday nights on many of the stations that carry our show. And last night, one of his guests was Jeff Shepard. And they talked about uh, Jeff's son, uh, Reed, and his uh, recruitment. And uh, so we'll uh, talk with uh, Cameron about uh, that. Also, we had Scott Paget on the show, and Scott's uh, son, uh, Lucas, has uh, walked on to the Kentucky football team. So we'll talk about uh, all of that coming up with Cameron. Darren Hedrick uh, will join us as well. Uh, hey, women have a game tonight at Florida, and their Kentucky's course, coming off the big win over Tennessee last Thursday. So we'll get the scouting report on the matchup with the Gators uh, from Darren. And that's our guest lineup as we roll into our Wildcat News of the Day. And we start with Kentucky finally breaking through to win a close game. They hadn't done that since early January. And they beat Auburn 82-80 to to improve to 5-7 and in the league, 6-13 and overall. They avoid a what would have been a first-ever three-game losing streak in Rupp Arena. It would have been five straight SEC losses for the first time under Cal. So both of those, uh, you can strike those. And Kentucky gets a win that had to do a world of good for this team's mental state because they had been playing better. But at some point, you have to get the payoff if you're improving to get the payoff to get a, a win, and then maybe two and three, and that keeps you going. Uh, it's uh, been impressed with, and Cal talked about this last week, how these guys have continued to battle when um, you know there were a lot of teams that might have thrown in the towel already. So now they have five to seven games left, depending on what gets made up, and they have that opportunity to generate some momentum for the SEC tournament. Uh, you just look at these last couple of weeks and the near misses. If Kentucky had held on to the Arkansas game and maybe beaten, you know, held on to the lead against Tennessee, or uh, heck, if they had beaten Arkansas and just held on to the lead at Georgia, they actually might still be uh, much more alive for an NCAA at-large threat. They'd have to, you know, win out to do that. But 
you keep a little hope alive. At this point, I think you're looking at winning the SEC tournament, and you've got to create some momentum before you get there. And they will try to do that this week with road games against Vandy and Tennessee. And I, Mike and I were told on Saturday that uh, that there was a chance they might just stay down in Tennessee because of the weather situation when they go down there on Tuesday. They play Vanderbilt on Wednesday and then play at Tennessee on Saturday. And you know, all classes are they're you know online now, so uh, maybe that's uh, what they will ultimately decide to do, uh, depending on how the weather does in fact play out. Uh, but Isaiah Jackson came up with his best game. 18 points, 11 boards, both new personal bests for him. He blocked two shots. He was credited with two block shots. Seemed like he had more. So certainly I think he gets credit for uh, adjusting more than uh, just the two that he blocked. B.J. Boston had 17 points, five threes, four of those in the second half when Kentucky roared back from six points down at the break. And they came out of the locker room, and they started the game making – one of nine shots, and didn't ever really get into any kind of an offensive flow. So they come out of the locker room, and they immediately start going into uh, going at Auburn much more aggressively than they had in the first half. And that's what you have to do. Auburn plays very physically. As Mike and I were talking about on the broadcast, it's not dirty. It's just physical. They're gonna. They've got a lot of big bodies. That they can, uh, they play, you know, nine, ten guys, and they keep running these uh, big bodies at you, and they play physically because you know they've got the manpower to do that. And if you don't give back as good as you get, you're not going to get calls, and you're going to turn the ball over. So Kentucky came out and was the aggressor, and they uh, had some high-low action. It was very successful for them between Saar and Jackson, and that led to open threes, which Kentucky made. And uh, there was a stretch there for about 10 minutes where they looked uh, easily as good as they've looked all season. So we'll talk about uh, all of that today as we move through the show. Uh, Ben Roberts, next up, when we return, it's the Leach Report Radio Network. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and we'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald-Leader. Among other things, he does the Next Cats page. Uh, We want to talk a little uh, recruiting here in a minute, but we'll start with just uh, Kentucky basketball, Ben. They made 25 threes in the last two games, 11 Saturday, 14 in the loss to Arkansas. That's the best two-game stretch since the 1998 SEC tournament when they made 25 over a two-game stretch. And this is the same team that went one for 13 from three in the loss to Richmond back in November. Um, so uh, it's clearly they have kind of started to find a little bit of an identity on offense, it seems. Yeah, I mean they've they've certainly been looking for one. I you know they've they've been trying a lot of different stuff over the past few weeks, and I mean you go back to even around that Richmond game in the beginning of the season, the, the Kentucky coaches John Calipari all talked. To, Cal, Cal talks about it pretty much every year. Thinks they're going to be a good shooting team, but um, you know those of us who who saw some of these guys in high school and then had the reputation of some others coming in, uh, I, I really thought they'd be a lot better shooting team. Um, it just hasn't happened until these past couple games. And, you know, one of the biggest uh, points of that would be Brandon Boston Jr., who I, I just saw go off of several times in, in high school AAU camp settings, 
just knocking down three after three, and he was, I think, 20% from three until two two games ago, and now he's almost 30%, uh, which shows how much he's done just in those past two games. So, you know, I don't think he'll keep up that clip, but I do. I was surprised how poorly he was shooting all season, and, and I think maybe finally he's turned a corner, and, and maybe we'll, we'll see more of that going forward. I would think there is no chance he'll be back for a second season, but I think he most definitely should, and I, I could care less if he's a first-round draft pick or not because it mad that there's short-term money versus long-term money, and I always think if you're a guard, you know that when you go into the next level, you better have an, a game that's ready or be drafted high enough that they're going to have enough invested in you to to, to stay with you because um, there's too many guards out there. They'll keep. Uh, they'll just find the next one, and you know when your first contract is done, they'll find the next one who's who's younger. Um, and he's a guy that uh, you're starting to see now. What you're talking about, you saw in high school, a um, couple of ankle breaking moves that he had off the bounce the other day. But he, um, you know, to have another season where he took, you know, took the coaching, took the weight training, finished through contact, become a better defender, and then you're ready to have an NBA ready game. Um, you, um, I think you know, a guy like him is at risk if he goes after one year, and I, I'm almost certain that he will. Yeah, and and just having a having an actual college season again, like we talked about before, with having a, a summer and a preseason and, and everything that goes along with that, and, and weight training and, and skill development is a huge part of that that he didn't get. Um, and yeah, yeah, he's he's going to go pro. I'm almost positive. So yeah, a, nothing I say here matters, but yeah, it. it it, there's a huge difference if you look at the money. If you're pick 22nd or 25th or whatever in the back end of that first round versus fifth or something around there, that's a lot of money over three years. Um, and he is that type of player who, if he came back and did all those things you said and gained, you know, five, ten pounds of muscle and just became stronger and and got it got better at finishing through that contact and got to show people that he can shoot and he can play defense consistently, uh, which I think he can do all of those things in a normal college basketball season. And this isn't a great class coming in, and it doesn't look like that 2022 class is going to be able to go uh, straight to the pros anymore. So there, there's a huge window for him to, to gain a lot of ground if, if he were to come back. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, it's to me he's the basketball version of Josh Allen in terms of uh, what that – uh, one more year could yeah. do, uh, you know, financially and and in terms of you know uh, staying in in the league. But no, you're spending too much time on it because uh, neither <laughs> one of us think it's going to happen. Let's uh, shift gears to a couple of other things. Uh, Trevor Keel's name popped on the radar last week for Kentucky fans as the Wildcats made an offer to one of the top shooting guards that they, uh, from all accounts, had not been recruiting. Now, Callen, um a couple of weeks ago was asked about. You know what he's uh, learned from this season, uh, how it's uh, gone, and he talked. One thing he mentioned was the emphasis on uh, having you know great shooters, and that he said something that I don't think got as much attention as that line, which was, "Are you you know can can you are you willing to or how much defense are you willing to sacrifice to get more offense?" Essentially, was what he was saying. And do you think that's where the uh, Trevor Keels recruitment uh, emerged from? 
Yeah, I think part of it is just trying to go out and, and find some more consistent scoring and some and some what they think would be college ready uh, scoring, uh, especially after this season. And another part is just kind of the uncertainty with the backcourt. Uh, like we said, Brandon Boston, I think everybody assumes will leave. Terrence Clark, despite sliding in the draft, everybody assumes will leave. Um, Davion Mance, it sounds like might come back to to finish his graduate studies now that he gets that extra year. Um, and then past that, you got Hickman, Askew, and, and Dante. Um, and they don't, I, the thing with Trevor, from just asking around over the weekend, it, it sounds like, uh, Trevor was on their radar several months ago and they, they really liked him, but, um, they had already offered Jaden Hardy. They'd already offered Hunter Salas. They felt like they were going to get at least one of those guys. I mean, they looked in really good position at, at the time with, with both of those guys. And now they're not, and now it doesn't look like they're going to get either one of them, and they need another guard. You could, you could always go out and get a transfer like they did with Davion this past offseason. But Trevor is the kid who um, he, he can score, and he's strong. I mean, he looks, if you go, if you go watch him, he looks like a, a college senior right now. I mean, he's a, he's a strong kid, a big kid, a physical kid, and a guy that I think Calipari would really like to have in his program, and a guy I think they could rely on to score right away. Um, and uh, another part why they, it sounds like they didn't offer earlier is they really, or it, it sounded like a lot of people thought Duke had a really good shot at him. Um, now, I mean, he's gone months now with the same three schools and cannot make a decision. So uh, I think if you're Kentucky, you think, hey, you know, we probably need a, another two man next year. This guy looks really good. We throw an offer out there and recruit him as hard as we can and, and see what happens. Yeah, I said after the Tennessee loss that with what with, with those two freshman guards did in the second half, that's what you, uh, Kentucky fans, expected to see B.J. Boston and uh, Terrence Clark doing for the Wildcats. But the thing about those two uh, Tennessee guys, especially, uh, I'm blanking on the name now, is it Henderson? Uh, guy who's about 6'6". Six, six. Johnson uh, Springer. Johnson, Keon Johnson, yeah. um, and he, um, those those guys uh, are, have a little more um, substance to them physically at this point in their yeah. careers to finish through contact and things. Yeah, and uh, another thing with Trevor is, um, I don't. He could he could very well be a one and done player, but uh, he's also a guy who's kind of on that borderline. He'll be on that borderline coming in of whether he's one and done, whether he's not. And I know his family puts a great deal of emphasis on on education. Getting that, I mean, they're really looking forward to playing college basketball. So, um, you know, he could be a guy who comes in, contributes right away, and, and maybe stays uh, multiple years. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a uh, he's he's one of those guys who would, who would really really help add some maybe add some continuity. But even if he doesn't, uh, be a guy who's who's ready to contribute right off the bat. Chat with Ben Rock. Lexington Herald leader, KentuckySports.com. We'll take a break, come back for one more segment here on the Leach Report Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Back with Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald Leader on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Uh, Reed Shepard, sophomore down at North Laurel, attracting a lot of attention already because of the numbers he's putting up and the fact that uh, both of his parents played for the Wildcats. Uh, have you seen him in person, Ben? No, I haven't got a chance to see him in person with uh, obviously with everything going on right now. I've seen quite a bit of 
quite a bit of video though, and and our uh, colleague Jared Peck got to see him out there in person a, a couple weeks ago. So uh, it, obviously, everybody everybody's very intrigued by by Reed Shepard right now within the state. Uh, what's the chance of uh, his team? Uh, and I don't know how closely you follow this, Jared might know better. Getting to the state tournament, I'm not sure where they stack up in the in the region. Yeah, they're undefeated right now. They're they're six and zero in their region um, going into this week. Um, so, you know, you know how it how it goes in in, in postseason high school basketball and, and with the region and, and the, the postseason format. So anything can happen. But uh, they've they've won every game they played so far, and they they've won most of them by double digits. And obviously, they've they've got a player who is not afraid of the big stage. I think when, once he gets up there and starts playing some of these playoff games you're going to see maybe even some some bigger numbers uh when he gets on that stage there was a story last week in the herald leader about a new player for lexington catholic who's transferring in uh, john mccreer who's a six eight sophomore and the uh, interesting angle there is his great uncle's vince marrow um, <laughs> so uh is this a uh, a kentucky level prospect yeah, I don't know. It's always it's it's so early, you know. With Reed, uh, with guards, it's a lot easier to at least tell kind of their talent level earlier on. With the big man, it's a little tougher. So we'll see how he. I mean, he landed on a great team, maybe probably the best team in the state right now. Um, and, and he'll be a, he'll be a great piece for that team the rest of this season. Um, and it sounds like he's gonna play AAU ball with with one of the uh, kind of in the region here. So. Um, hopefully they, they get a schedule where they get to go out and compete against some other really good teams. And, and that's the thing with Reed, too. I, I, everybody who, who I've talked to about him really wants to see him play against uh, that, that top college-level talent. So with John, uh, it, with, with the 6'8 guys, it's a little tougher when they're sophomores. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. And, and he, was, he was on the team up with uh, Amani Bates, who's maybe the best player in all of high school basketball uh, before he came down here to Catholic. So both those guys have a lot of promise. It's always great when, uh, when you get guys like that who have that possible high major uh, potential uh, here nearby in the state where we can get out and watch them play and, and follow those recruitments. Ben Roberts, you can uh, read the c- recruiting coverage on the Next Cats page at KentuckySports.com and uh, see his work on that and the uh, Derby Trail and all at uh, the website or uh, in the Lexington Herald Leader. Ben, thank you much. Thanks a lot, Tom. Halfway home on the Monday show, Cameron Mills and Darren Hedrick coming up in the second half. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Second half of our Monday show from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, we welcome in Cameron Mills. And you can uh, hear him on Sunday nights via CameronMillsRadio.com and uh, on a network of stations around the state, uh, many of which are also on our network. And uh, he had... uh, couple of interesting guests that we want to talk about. First of all, Cameron, I'll give you a good memory. Uh, Kentucky last week made 25 threes in two games. And I don't know if you saw this note, but it was the, the last time Kentucky had 25 threes in a two-game stretch was in the 1998 SEC tournament in the semifinal and final. And uh, some guy named Mills made six of the 25. Yeah, but that, what, what kind of lousy percentage is that? Only six of 25. <laughs> 
What was that? Was that Arkansas and South Carolina? Were those the two games? Uh, let me see here. Um, I think Not it was Alabama. I think it was. No, I've got the, the John Scott's uh, page up here, the Kentucky Wildcat yeah. history page. Uh, it was Arkansas and South Carolina. Yeah. And um, Shep got hurt in the Arkansas game, I guess, because he didn't play in the South Carolina game. Right. That's where actually we didn't have Allen in the Arkansas game, and then didn't have Shep in the South Carolina game. And fortunately, as you said. We couldn't miss, so I think we wound up beating both teams by about 30. Yeah, 99-74 over Arkansas and uh, 86-56 over South Carolina, so your memory's pretty good there. Um, well, last night was a little celebration of the 98 uh, team with uh, your guests on your show, and um wanted to get you on to talk about uh, this because uh, Reed Shepard's uh, creating quite the buzz. I had, um, he sure is. Uh, maybe it was John. It was John Clay on last week. We, I said, is this going to be turn into like a Rex Chapman level of um, recruitment for Kentucky fans in terms, you know, Rex early on, you know, had had a uh, you know basketball pedigree, and so he was identified early on as uh, you know a guy that you know Kentucky fans just had to have as a Wildcat, and so with Reeds. Uh, parents, being Jeff, uh, your teammate, and uh, Stacy, who was a great player for the UK women's program. So um, the pedigree is there, and, and then yep. the production is there. So uh, first, yep. just uh, for folks that missed the show last night, uh, tell us about the interview with Shep. Well, to, to, to back up a little bit, so um, the, the really the, the genesis of this, other than Reed's um, just ridiculous statistics he's been putting up as a sophomore for North Laurel um, this year, um, and even just slightly less uh, silly statistics last year as a freshman, um, you know, there was all this conversation. You know, he was slowly, as you said, starting to gain this buzz. And I started tweeting out a couple of weeks ago, you know, he had a trip, what, a triple double with 50 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds. So I tweeted that out, and there were a couple of responses on Twitter. A couple of them were from people who said, ah, it doesn't matter. Shep would never let his son play for Cal. And this has been going on for a while. And it bugs me. It bugs me because I know Shep. He and I have spent maybe more time together over the last few years, over the last 20 years than we did the four years we played together. Um, we're certainly closer now than we were then. And at no point have I ever heard him say anything negative about Cal. Um, and so this idea that there is some sort of issue between Shep and Cal, I don't know where it comes from. I have an idea where it comes from, but it's not true. And so I wanted to tweet something about that out just because I wanted UK fans to know, look, that, that, that's, not, that's not an issue. Shep and Cal have a, have a fine relationship. Don't know that they're buddies. Don't know that they're, uh, but they're certainly not fighting and certainly don't hate each other. And that wouldn't be on Shep's issue on Shep's, Shep or Stacy's side. It, from what they've told me, it wouldn't be a um, it wouldn't prohibit Reed from going to UK if recruited and if he wants to. So I just asked Shep, said, "Can I?" Because Shep's not on social media at all, Tom. And so I said, "Can I just? Can I just? You know, you tell me." Make it accurate, make it how you feel, and let me put it out there and just kind of squash some of this. And so he said no originally, then a week later he came back and said, all right, here, here's, you can do it. So I did it, and then, of course, it caused a big, uh, I guess, relief for a lot of UK fans. And then I thought with that reaction, I thought, ah, you know what, why am I saying it? Shep needs to say it. So I got Shep on my show last night and um, asked him three very direct questions. You know, is there an issue between he and Cal? He said no. Um, is there any reason you would dis- you would want to dissuade uh, Reed from going to Kentucky if he had an offer to go there? He said no, um, but he, and he's you know answering for Stacy as well. And then I was the third question I asked him. Um, well, shoot, I can't remember it now, but I, it, along the same lines of you know this is 
And Shep's answers about all of it was, look, this is Reed's decision. Now, I'm, as a parent, I'm, you know, we're going to help him make the decision, but it's Reed's decision. Oh, another question was, is Kentucky recruiting Cal or is Kentucky recruiting uh, Reed? And Shep, I guess, you know, they've been in touch, you know, right now because of COVID, because Reed's only a sophomore. They have been in touch appropriately only through his high school coach. Um, so they're doing what they're supposed to be doing to keep tabs on him. You know, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows where they're going to go? But what was bothering me was this, oh, Shep and Cal don't get along. Like, there's, there's no truth behind that. And I think Cal's typical MO as far as recruiting a player is he wants to see them play himself uh, before he before they maybe actually extend an offer. There's been a little bit of uh, give on that in, in COVID times, uh, but yeah, hopefully we're – uh, moving away from that before Reed's high school career ends. Well, and you know, it's funny you mention that because that was the other conversation I had with Scott and how much COVID affected Lucas and his senior year of football. He didn't get to play senior year. He didn't get to have had this great junior year, and then apparently COVID, they didn't have a season. Um, and so he didn't have the opportunity to have any other coaches come see him play. And it sounds like Scott just sat down with him and said, you tell me, what, where do you want to play? And I bet it made Scott and Cynthia's day when he said, I want to play at Kentucky. So um, they did kind of, Tom, what my, my dad did. He had the connection, go down there and you say, any interest? What about a walk-on? Walk-on? Sure. Yeah, he'll walk on. There you go. So uh, they're happy about that. Doubt Reed's going to walk on anywhere, though, with his, uh, you know, 50 points in the triple right. doubles. He's probably <laughs> going to get a scholarship somewhere. Um, I'm hoping it's U.K., I'm not going to speak for Jeff and Stacy about what they're hoping, except to say that I know they're hoping wherever he goes, it's the best choice for him. Um, I'm guessing there's a little part of both of them, though, that would love to see him wearing blue and white, though. But that's me speaking, not Jeff. Right. Uh, and I think if weather permits, um, and I'm not sure what, what, what they do uh, at Douglas in terms of attendance, but uh, I think his team plays at uh, Douglas here in Lexington this week on Thursday, I believe. You know what? I, I was actually thinking, you know, it'd be fun to go because uh, I don't, I don't know what kind of um, spectator Shep is these days. Hey, yeah, I don't either. I know he used to he, he, used, he used to be a wild one back in the training days of Reed and Madison, but you know he's yelling at refs and yelling at them, and no one would sit next to him. I, I feel like he's calmed and mellowed, so I, I'm actually wanting to go. <laughs> Uh, kind of like a psychological experiment. Go sit down and say, hey, you know, you've grown up quite a bit now that your uh, kids have uh, reached this point. Uh, but I wanted to know where or how close they were going to come, so Douglas. So, yeah, who knows what the what the rules are going to be, or if we can even get there because of this weather. Right. And they play, I believe, at Lexington Catholic uh, in the last uh, part of the high school regular season next month. Uh, so yep. there are a couple of opportunities in the Lexington area as well as but other now, people remember, who get a chance Tom, to see. This is important is that they're in the 13th region, which means in order for North Laurel to have their dream season, which presumably would be Sweet 16 National Championship, and Reed's certainly capable of that with his teammates and his talent. But, however, they have to get past the Knox Central Panthers, which they've been unable to do the past two years, in part because of cousin Isaac Mills. I just needed and, to say that. And the, uh, the, the uh, pride of uh, Knox Central won Terry Mills. Yes, that, that is the, I think Isaac is the great uh, nephew of uh, Isaac, or Isaac is the great nephew of Terry. That's, that's how that works. Was it, so, it anyway, still Knox so. County probably when your dad was there, right? No, it was actually Knox Central then. Was it Knox Central? Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I've actually got his letterman's jacket. Big NC uh, and it stands for Central Knox County. <laughs> or, um, or Casey. A uh, quick note on on uh, Lucas Paget. You, you had Scott on the show last night too, and uh, Lucas yeah. is a preferred walk on for football. And you make a good analogy with your situation because you could yeah. have uh, had 
uh, offers to play other places, but you had a strong connection here, so you were willing to to take that path um, and um, you know pay pay your own way until you earned the scholarship. And um, you know it could be a great like, like it was for Kentucky basketball. Could end up being a steal yeah. for Kentucky football. Well, you know, I, Scott told me that, that that's what he's been told by the coaches is they feel like they lucked into a talent, um, you know, especially one that's going to come for free uh, like this in uh, Lucas. But absolutely, and when Scott was relaying how it happened, the conversation, where do you want to go, you know, and Lucas, you know, who's been in Alabama now, uh, New Mexico, he, he grew up with two parents who were athletes at the University of Kentucky at the same time. Where else would you want to go? And where else would you want to go anyway, no matter what sport you play? And uh, so I can't imagine what how that made Scott and Cynthia feel, but it did. It reminded me of uh, of, of my story. Dad, Dad went there. I wanted to go nowhere else, and so, well, if you want to come here, son, walk on, and that's what we did. Uh, well, it's, I'm looking forward to getting to watch uh, Reed play, and so we've got two more seasons uh, after this to yeah. watch it. Maybe they'll make it uh, to the state tournament too. That would be wonderful for the for the KHSAA and all the the fans that get to go to Rupp Arena next month. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it would it would be exciting, especially after not having one last year, um, and and that frustration. But um, I mean, it, it would be a lot of fun. But just going and watching, because at this point, I feel like any game, like you said, at Douglas at Catholic, if Reed's playing, it the, stand, the stands are going to start to fill up because there's been enough buzz. He's got these big outpourings of points. He's still getting it done. He's a great player. He can jump like his dad, dribble like his mom. Um, he's just—he's the real deal. As a sophomore, he's controlling these games, so he's going to start filling up the stands as soon as the governor allows us to. Maybe we'll get back to those days. I remember in the seventies uh, when um, Jack Evans at Bryan Station and James Lee and Henry yeah. Clay would play. They'd have to move the game to the Coliseum because so many people wanted to go. <laughs> and then uh, they uh, Coach Pruitt uh, brought in Apollo and Rex to play against Henry Clay yep. in a game they moved to the Coliseum in the eighties. So uh, maybe we'll we'll get back to that by the time Reed's a senior. Let's hope so. That that would that would that I think that's the goal. That would be fun to do that because remember Chef when he played at McIntosh, he played in Memorial Coliseum as a high school senior. Oh, did he? Okay. Kentucky. I'd forgotten that. So maybe the, maybe Reed can come out. That would that would be cool then. Some some enterprising uh, person like uh, say a Cameron Mills could put that together. I, he, he, possibly, but probably <laughs> some other people better at business though who would do a better job of it though. I'm Cameron, an ideas man, Tom. I'm an ideas man. Cameron, I'm a, I know you got uh, an appointment to get to, so I'll let you go. But I want to uh, get you back. We'll do this uh, sometime here b- before the season ends because uh, I want to talk about uh, some other topics with the current cats and before we get to the tournament. So we will do <laughs> that. Talk about this season. Sounds good, Tom. I appreciate it. There you go. Cameron Mills. And it's CameronMillsRadio.com where you can see the list of the affiliates for his show that airs on Sunday nights around the state and uh, see coverage of the Cats as well. We are headed to a break. When we come back, Darren Hedrick will join the program. The U.K. women play tonight at Florida, and we'll talk about it when we come right back here on the Leach Report Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Darren Hedrick. You'll hear him on the call tonight for the UK Radio Network as the Cats get set to take on the Gators at Florida. And this season, Darren's like Mike and I. We're doing games from a remote broadcast studio instead of traveling to the road games. And is this the worst time for that policy to be in place? Because you'd be in Gainesville, Florida, and not in snowy Kentucky. Yeah. 
Yeah, no doubt about it, Tom. I, w- I would rather be down there where it's uh, probably 70 and sunny <laughs> rather than uh, trying to battle an ice storm to get to our broadcast studio tonight. But uh, hopefully everyone is safe tonight. But, yeah. Well, let's talk about the uh, big win over Tennessee and a tweak that, uh, you know, turns out Cal's not the only one that gets to tweak. Uh, Coach Elsie made a tweak with her offense, moved Jasmine Massengill to the point, which shifted Chastity Patterson over to the two. And you and I were talking last Thursday ahead of the Tennessee game that Kentucky kind of would fall into that trap of, of watching Ryan Howard maybe too much or, or relying on her to carry too much of the load. And uh, her teammates went out and certainly um, – did more than their share in that Tennessee win. They absolutely did. You know, Chastity Patterson moving over to the two, that freed her up, and it paid dividends with her scoring 21 points. And the thing that you and I talked about when this offense is going well, especially involving Ryan, who only had eight points but did other things with seven rebounds, seven steals, and six assists, they could get the ball back to Jasmine, who not only is a great facilitator as a point guard she's an excellent shooter and she knocked down some big threes but they also got the bigs involved uh, kiki mckinney and tatiana wyatt hit some threes Drayana edwards had some big baskets and rebounds and so they, they did a great job all around they they had to play as a team to beat tennessee and they certainly did yeah it was very impressive uh, the way that you know the, the convincing way that they did it um and now they play a uh, Florida team on the road. Give me a little scouting report on the Gators. Well, you couldn't ask for two more opposite opponents. Tennessee was long and athletic. Florida's athletic, but they're almost all guards. And they have two outstanding scorers and ball handlers and Kiki Smith and Lavender Briggs, who are both uh, averaging close to 20 points a game. Uh, Florida's got a lot of guards. That anybody can bring the ball up. But now in SEC play, they've struggled, only averaging 66 points. Uh, they've lost the rebounding margin most of the time, but they've played teams tough. They took LSU to overtime, um, held them to just five points in the first quarter and only 25 and a half. So even though they're struggling to score, they're playing really good defense right now. Uh, this is the uh, first of five games to close out the regular season. Just I can't recall. Does, do the U.K. women have any makeup games that would potentially be added? No, they've been pretty fortunate so far. They've been through their gauntlet of makeup games. So as of right now, they've got five to close it out in a normal fashion. But uh, with the Monday night game, they've got three and seven, or actually three and six days coming up. So they, they've still got their work cut out for them. Three out of the last five are on the road. And so you're looking at this point uh, to not only build momentum for uh, the SEC tournament, but Kentucky's safely into the NCAA field, so you're you're playing for seeding as well with how you're able to finish and to build some momentum to take into the tournament. Right, and you know they enter today; they're a half game behind Georgia for that coveted fourth spot for the SEC tournament. Georgia won yesterday, so Kentucky needs to win tonight to keep pace with them because they still have to play Georgia coming up down in Athens. So there's a chance that they can still. Uh, gain some momentum and finish in the top four, maybe even the top three in the league, depending on how Tennessee does with all of their makeup games. I'll be interested, Tom, to see how the NCAA tournament unfolds now that both the men and women are doing the bubble in Indianapolis and San Antonio. 
it's more all about the matchups with your seating than it is where you're going on the women's side. You don't have to worry about having to go on the road and play in a bubble at Baylor or NC State or Arizona State. Everybody's going to the same location, so now you're really focused on how do your matchups fall, and I think that's created a really interesting dynamic for the tournament this year. Yeah, the um, uh, women's tournament's in uh, in San Antonio, and I assume it's this way for the women. I've been told that for the men's tournament, and I'm assuming it's this way with other other leagues, that you, know, you go to uh, the the league tournament and the testing protocols you know that start there count toward your NCAA testing requirements, and so teams will just uh, that that are expected to go on to play in the NCAA tournament will just stay at the conference tournament site and then go on to the national tournament site from there. Yeah, that sounds right. So you're talking about a long time on the road for some yeah. of these teams. I hope uh, they have a way to do some laundry or they have a lot of clothes to pack. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Darren, thank you much, uh, and uh, have a good call tonight. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. Anytime. It's on the SEC network, but uh, turn on the radio sound and sync it up on the UK radio network with Darren Hedrick for Kentucky at Florida tonight. We'll close out this edition of the Leach Report when we come right back. Our UK history notes presented by the new Rave On app. Great way to comment on plays and calls while you watch the game with other Cat fans. And this day in 1978, Kentucky beat Tennessee at Rupp Arena 90-77. to And the interesting note here is that the game had to be rescheduled because of an ice storm that hit in late January when it was originally scheduled. So with the weather we have it here, no danger of a game getting postponed at Rupp Arena because they're not playing there this week. But that did happen on this day in 1978. Happy birthday to former Wildcat Todd Lanner. Uh, coming up uh, tomorrow, we'll chat with uh, Josh Moore. He's, had, uh, he's got a piece today about Wandale Robinson winding his way back to Kentucky and uh, had uh, an interesting story with Mark Stoops the day before. So some U.K. football stuff with Josh tomorrow. Also uh, Larry Vaught and Chris Fisher coming up on the Tuesday edition of the Leach Report. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on The 